Yo, 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 yo. Good evening and happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to episode 121 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. This episode will be broken up into two parts. The first part is all NBA, as I will do a preview of the NBA semifinal games, my takes analysis, and predictions on who I believe will win and move on to the Eastern and Western Conference final games. As for the teams that were eliminated, I'm going to give you my brief analysis on what I believe these teams need to do moving forward in order to get back into the playoffs and go even further. Now, the second part, I have a guess. My guy, Coach Couch of the Coach Couch Live podcast, will be doing our post-NFL draft analysis coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get part one of this episode started. And it's going to start in the NBA. The semifinals start today as eight teams will buy to see who will play in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals, which is one step closer to the NBA Finals. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with the big one. Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics. During the regular season... Both these teams split the games, with each winning on their home floors. Now, of course, one of the big storylines of this game is one of the Milwaukee Bucks' best scorers, Chris Middleton, will be out for this series with an injury. That means this is going to put more on Giannis, who has proven to be the best player in the NBA this year. But he can't do it alone. He's going to need Drew Holiday... Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez to step their games up because the Boston Celtics are the best defense in the NBA now saying the best best in defense in the same sentence in today's NBA is kind of hard because who does that in the NBA but the Boston Celtics are going to at least have 12 fouls to throw at Giannis you know with Robert Williams coming back from injury. Al Horford. I mean, they got bodies to throw at Giannis. Will they be able to stop him? Remains to be seen. Now, for the Milwaukee Bucks, their defense has to play their best ball. I mean, will they be able to stop the one-two punch of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? That's what need to be seen. Another thing I think will be interesting is... Will, he, will Marcus Smart even get his chance to be thrown at Giannis? I, I don't know. He might be a little bit too small, but he's a good defensive player, so you never know. Even with Chris Middleton being out for this series, I still believe this game is going to go seven. I think both teams are good enough. I think it's going to be a seesaw battle, but in the end, I think the Boston Celtics defense are going to make the plays necessary to propel them in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm going to go with the Celtics to win this matchup four games to three. Now let's go to another big one. This one in the West. The Golden State Warriors versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, this is a matchup I predicted was going to happen in my last episode. And I think this is one, I believe, most NBA fans want to see 
during the regular season, Memphis Grizzlies won the um, season series three games to one. Means nothing. Now, my concern I have with the Memphis Grizzlies is during that last series with the Minnesota Timberwolves, they got off to slow starts. They fell behind, and even in one game, fell behind by 20-plus points twice. I mean, they were able to come back, and they were able to pull this series out. But these slow starts are not going to fly in this series. John Morant has been one of the main reasons the, men, the Grizzlies have gotten off the slow starts. Now, he would come alive in the second half. Kudos for him for that. But John Morant needs to be good for 48 minutes, not 24. Because basketball is a 48 four-quarter game. And he needs to pull his other guys along. Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark. They all need to step their games up and help John Morant out. Because it's not going to be easy against the Splash Brothers, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, along with the rise of Jordan Poole. And don't let Andre Wiggins get going. And of course, you got the defensive um, presence of Draymond Green. I'll be interested to see if they're, if they're going to let Draymond Green guard John Morant at times in this series. But I think the youth of the Memphis Grizzlies is going to catch up to them in this series against a veteran group like the Golden State Warriors. I think the Warriors will drop a couple of games in this series, but in the end, they'll win it in six. So I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors to win this matchup four games to two. Now let's move on to the 76ers versus the Miami Heat. Now, both teams split their season series during the regular season. But we all know the big story in this one is the injury to Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid suffered an orbital fracture in game six of the um, first round versus the Toronto Raptors. And of course, Doc Rivers has been catching a lot of heat for leaving him in the game longer than he should have, especially when they were blowing the Raptors out. So what does this mean for the Philadelphia 76ers? Extra pressure on James Harden. James Harden, you wanted to come here. So now there's no Embiid. You got to be the James Harden of Houston, and you have to be the James Harden of Game 6 against the um, Toronto Raptors. So, no excuses. But the 76ers also need Tyrese Maxey to step up as well. I mean, he was balling out in the first two or three games of this series, but haven't heard much from him since. And Tobias Harris... Needs to step up as well. Because Harden needs all the support he can get. They're playing against a well put together team in the Miami Heat. I mean, we all know it starts with Jimmy Butler. But they have other guys on this team that can ball too. I mean, Tyler Hero, 
Bam Badehayu. Badehayu. Sorry if I didn't say that. Victor Aladevil. And of course, Kyle Lowry. Even though he got hurt in the last game, in the last series, he's listed day to day. So he'll probably come back at some point. So the Miami Heat looks almost like the same team a few years ago. I mean, well coached, and I mean, and played good team basketball. I'm gonna give you a two-part prediction on this one. If Embiid does not play in the series, this is a sweep. That's right, I said it. If Embiid does not play in this series anytime. In the first four games, they're getting this, this is gonna be a sweep. But even if MB does play, I don't give the Sixers a chance to win this series. So if MB even plays, it'll be four games to two Miami. Now let's move on to the Mavericks versus the Phoenix Suns. Now the Suns won this season series during the regular season 3-0. Now, of course, the story is gonna be. Will Devin Booker return the series? He has a grade one hamstring strain, and he's listed to be out possibly three, 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 four weeks. So, if he comes back, that's gonna be a huge boost. But of course, you still got CP3, Chris Paul. He needs to be that dude, that dude who balled out in the last two playoff games. Versus the versus the um, New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, in Game Six, he didn't even miss a shot. 14 of 14. So, him along with DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and Cameron Payne, Jay Crowder, and Mikael Bridges all need to play play great team basketball for the Mavericks. Luka Doncic finally got out of the first round. And also Jalen Brunson. That series with the Utah Jazz was his coming out party. And he's gonna have to have that's gonna have to continue. But Doncic and Brunson can't do it alone. Guys like Spencer Denwell, Dor- Doran Finley Smith, they all need to step up. But I believe this series could be could be a fun series. Now I know it's not as sexy as Golden State versus the Memphis Grizzlies, but you got some good players on both on both teams. So I actually believe this series is gonna go seven games. Yes, I said it's gonna go seven games. But I think in the end the Phoenix Suns are just a better team. And I think they're gonna show that. So, while Luka Doncic and company put out a valiant effort, I think it's his Phoenix Suns time. So, they win this series four games to three. So, when it's all said and done, and if my predictions are correct, this will be the matchups in the East and Western Conference Finals. In the East, you will have the Boston Celtics Versus the Miami Heat. And in the West, the Golden State Warriors versus the Phoenix Suns. I think matchups, I think we all want to see. 
for conference finals. So the NBA is going to be in great shape. So now I'm going to close this segment. I'm going to talk about all the teams that were eliminated from the postseason. And I'm going to give you my take and analysis of what I believe these teams need to do going forward if they want to get back into the playoffs and next time go further. So let's start with the New Jersey Nets. They need more consistency across the board. Now, of course, they were plagued by injuries. They were plagued by Kyrie Irving's um, vaccination status, which he couldn't play home games for most of the season because of New York's um, rules on being vaccinated. But now that's been lifted. Now going into 22-2022-2023 season, Kyrie and KD need to play more together as a unit because the two of them not being on the feet on the court as much I think hindered this team I mean they got some good role players I mean with Seth Curry and Patty Mills I mean they got some good role players so they're gonna have to work together to carry themselves along and Another thing they need is Steve Nash needs to be a coach. Now, and he, and what I mean by being a coach, I mean, yeah, he's a coach, but he seems like he's a coach in name only. I mean, I get it. He was handpicked by Kevin Durant and Kyrie. So basically, then he's not holding them accountable for anything. And that needs to change. Steve Nash needs to be that guy. That's going to get into in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's face and hold them accountable because this is their team. He also needs to emphasize more defense. Now, I, I get he's got Mike D'Antoni as one of his assistants. So they figure they can outscore everybody all the time. What goes to show, all it takes is a good defensive team. And this, te- this team is nothing so going forward for the Nets they need more consistency across the board and they need Kevin uh, I'm Steve Nash to be a real coach now let's go on to the Minnesota Timberwolves now they've established two cornerstones Carl Anthony Thomas and Anthony Edwards are the cornerstones of this team going forward. And they got the pieces. Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Pat Beverly. Here's something they need to learn going forward. How to finish games. How to finish teams off. Because it was game, I think it was game four, or was it game three? that they blew two 20-point leads. I think 26 and 25, respectively. And throughout the series, most of the time, they were up double digits going into the fourth quarter. This is unacceptable. If you want to be a playoff team and contend for championships, you got to be able to get teams down and keep them down. So going forward for the Timberwolves, 
They have to. Ha- they need to develop more of a killer instinct. When you got the snake down, you need to chop his head off. Now for the um, New Orleans Pelicans. Brandon Ingram had his coming out party. Now as a Laker fan, I kind of wish they were more patient with this guy. Because he showed what he can do. And of course, the addition of CJ McCollum really did wonders for this um squad. I mean Jonas Vulusevic, I mean, he had a good he had a good um season as well. Now, the thing for the Pelicans moving forward is they need to be healthy. They need to get healthy. Hopefully, Zion Williams can finally be healthy. Because we all know what he can do when he can get on when he can get on the court. He's in of course keep his weight down, manage his weight better. But Zion Williams did say he will stay with the Pelicans. And that's a plus. So in my opinion, New Orleans have what they need going forward. Just just need a healthy Zion Williams and a full season together. And they could actually make some noise going forward. Now for the Atlanta Hawks. After last year taking the NBA by storm in the playoffs, getting as far as the Eastern Conference Finals, this year was a step back. And fortunately for Trey Young, he was not as good as last season. And one of the things I said in my segment last year about what teams losing teams need to do going forward is they needed to add it a strong solid number two to Trey Young and obviously the Atlanta Hawks didn't do so because in this series the Miami Heat he didn't have much of a supporting cast and not only that as I stated earlier he was not very good in this series so I hope the Atlanta Hawks listen to me, which they probably will know who I am for looking at paint, but they need to get Trey Young a solid number two because if he's having a bad game, this team's gonna lose. So, Nate McMillan, the front office, if y'all listening, solid number two for Trey Young. Now, let's go to the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls started off as the best team in the NBA before injuries started um, hitting them and they started falling off. Now they were able to get in the playoffs, but they were no match for the world champions, Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, they got the pieces there. DeMar DeRozan, Nikolai Vucic, Zach Levine, and Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Of course, what they need going forward is to get healthy. Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, and Alex Caruso all suffered injuries during the season and in the playoffs. I mean, they got they, they, they got a good squad. They got good coaching. So they just need to get healthier. And of course, they may need to get a solid number two for DeMar DeRozan. I mean, the other guys, Vuvich. Levine and Lonzo Ball are good role players. But the 
Demar Rosen shown that he's the same guy that we saw in Toronto. But they need to add a solid number two. Because the East is actually, right now, a better division than the West. And you got to have that solid number two. Because as, it, as I stated with the Atlanta Hawks, if the Rosen starts having a bad game, they're not going to go very far. The Utah Jazz. One has to ask this question. This team has been together for some time. And the, mo- the, the farthest they've gotten is the second round. And of course, this year, they didn't even get out the, the first round. So one has to ask themselves, has this team reached its ceiling? Can it go any further? It doesn't seem like it to me. In its current form, they have Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Bajan Bogdanovich. Sorry if I mispronounced that. But... It's been even said that even um, Quinn Snyder, the head coach, may need to um, go. But I think the Jazz, they have to ask this question. Can they run this team back another year? Or do they need to just break it up and move some guys and get other pieces? Because it seems to me like the Utah Jazz just keeps underachieving. So it's time. I think it's well past time to figure out who needs to get moved and who needs to stay, and what they need to do going forward. Now for the Toronto Raptors. Now, of course, they're still well coached. I mean, Nick, Nick Nurse is still a good is a good coach. Plus, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr are the guys in your team. But going forward, they need more complimentary pieces. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying they need to get a big star like Kawhi Leonard like they had when they won their championship. But they need to get they need to get more complimentary pieces to complement these three guys. Because as I stated, the East is way better than the West right now. <clears throat> and if you're gonna make it through the East, you got to have I got a good one-two punch and some complimentary pieces to go forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. And finally, the Denver Nuggets. There ain't much to um, say here for the Denver Nuggets. I mean, Nikolai Jokic has proven once again why he's an MVP candidate. But of course, the only thing the Denver Nuggets need going forward are two things in I believe. Of course, number one, get healthy. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. should be back for the 2022-2023 season. So that's going to take a load off of, of Jokic. And Jokic even said, if they offer him a max contract, the Nuggets, he'll sign it. I mean, Aaron Gordon, I mean, he was a nice addition. But one other guy... I think showed a lot of promise. And that's Monte Morris. They need to develop 
this guy. Because, I mean, this guy is a great shooter. So, if the Denver Nuggets can get all their pieces back from two years ago and develop Monte Morris, they are on their way to making some noise in the West. Now, this will conclude this segment, and this will conclude part one of episode 121 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it. Of course, you can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13 and follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes with Gabe, Sports Takes to Lore with Gabe. I'd like to thank you again for listening to to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for episode two, where we'll do a post-NFL draft episode with my guy, Coach Coach Couch Live of the Coach Couch Live podcast. So stay tuned for that episode. See you on the other side. Yo, Coach Couch, how's it going, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? You hear me? I'm great, great, man. It's 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 great to hear from you again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the time of year. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. All righty. So let's get started here. Well, this is um episode 121. Um, I'm, I, I'm your humble host, Gabe, and we're gonna be talking NFL draft. And this is part two of um, episode 121. So I got here returning guest, my guy, Coach Couch Live of the Coach Couch Live podcast. So how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. A uh, very uh, great uh, three-day holiday that we that we just witnessed. Um, always a you know, great opportunity to um, inject some new life, um, you know, as far as in our fan bases. And just, you know, just, great, just great opportunity to have some optimism um, come the fall. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, the way this draft went, man, I mean, you would think, um, I think a lot of teams, um, I mean, had a lot of optimism. I mean, I admit, it's, even though we're going to be doing really wins or losers, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick losers here, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go, we're gonna dive right into it. So let's just go ahead and get started here. Um, so, well, well, first of all, I mean, how, how'd you like the NFL draft? Oh, I loved it. Um, that's the beauty thing about the NFL draft, and this is the beauty of the NFL. NFL has just has created a way to become the greatest reality television of all time. Um, you know, to have an event, and especially now the way the NFL draft are, everyone, every city, um, since they've gone through every other city, as it's always been a theme. It's always been a different element compared to when it was in New York every year. Um, that's just a fantastic idea by them um las vegas was another great host for it uh it made for great television 
even in a year where we didn't have a lot of quarterbacks as far as the story quarterbacks and how we grow to accustomed for most years but um it just it was it was great the the emotions um just you know it, everything the emotions hearing the stories of these prospects um the nfl never never fails when it comes to putting on a production I, I agree. I agree with that, one hundred percent. I mean, the the NFL is three hundred sixty-five days a year. I mean, it's like, I mean, I mean, you look forward to every aspect of the NFL: the season, the off season, free agency, the draft. I mean, well, I mean, what other um, sports entity, you know, has that kind of um, re- that kind of reach and that 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 kind of um, product that you look forward to it? every day of the year right and then like about like this and then we're less than two weeks away from the schedule release and even in that and then even them pumping that during the draft it make you think oh i want more i want more yeah this is a three-day event but guess what we got something coming for you in two weeks and and for Dow nfl fans like you and ourselves hey like we talked about it on my show this is the time that we can start planning the rest of our rest of the uh, rest of the calendar year as far as going to games and whatnot, so that's another thing where the NFL just gets it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, and I do plan on attending some games this year. Now, you know, because my 49ers are coming over to the East Coast yep. this year a couple of times. So I don't know. What, I can't wait to see what the dates are in a couple of weeks. But yeah, but let's go ahead and let's um let's well, let's start off with um the, the, your big your your biggest winners. So. Who are your biggest winners from the um, 2022 NFL draft? I think obviously the one I think everybody's going to say, and I'm, and it might be like beating like a like a dead horse, but the New York Giants. I mean the New York Jets. Pardon me, the New York Jets. What they've done, uh, Joe Douglas, uh, proud of McCainsville, Virginia. What he did, he worked his magic, um, getting a guy like a Sauce Gardner um, definitely helped solidify that secondary, and then uh, you know get Garrett Wilson. I think that's a definitely a great um, weapon for um, for Zach Wilson. It'll be a Wilson to Wilson connection potentially um, in Gotham City. And then trading up to get um, Jermaine Johnson, a guy, we think about even those three guys, they were pretty much tops in their position ranking. So you look at you know getting those guys in in, in, in the first round and then also um coupling with um Brees Hall I think another guy where he's another was one of the highly ranked running backs and you get him on a Friday what we call I call it a bargain bargain barrel Friday where you were able to get some great value on Friday they took advantage of that coupled with him with Michael Carr in that back in that backfield um they're they're really smart. They're really methodical. These guys are going to make impact, uh, especially when you look at a team like a Buffalo. You look at like a Josh Allen, who's going to throw the ball. You, you look at bringing in a guy like a Brees Hall, couple with a Michael Carter. That's going to keep Josh Allen off the field. So you look at this situation where you know the Jets are you know by far the biggest winner. Um, by far, if there was an A, they would get an A with two pluses. It was that good. Um, also, team I looked at, um, the Eagles. I think the Eagles did a great job. Um, also, getting Joy Davis. Um, then being able to acquire A.J. Brown, even though not people look at that deal as well. You know, he's always often injured and what have you. 
but you get a great value in that deal. Um, if it does work out, you know, sometimes injuries can be one of the things where it's just unpredictable. Um, it could be a situation where, you know, he could, you know, pick it back up. And if you think about this, hey, you know, NFL contracts are written on toilet paper. So if if if, if it goes bad, they, you know, they they can escape that. Um, and then um, Nicobe Dean, I think you get him in a guy, which is funny when you look at the Georgia defense, he was what I would call the household name. where Everybody knew who who he was on that defense more so than most of the, most of these guys that were drafted. Even if we look at like a Trayvon Walker, who's the number one overall pick, but a lot of people looked at the Kobe Dean as like literally like the household name of this Georgia defense. And to get him at eighty third uh, was a great was a great pickup. Even though I know there's a question about his pec injury. I know um, when they did the physical, it may require surgery, but you go for it. Then another one I really wanted to talk about was the um, Baltimore Ravens. I think with the Ravens done, um, Cal Hamilton getting him at that round, um, that late, late, well not late, but more so mid first round, which a lot of people looked at him as potentially going, you know, third, fourth in the draft, you know, probably post, probably pre combine. They looked at him as like a top five pick. You get, um, you know, you do get rid of Hollywood Brown, but in exchange you get Tyler Lynn Baum, which I think that's definitely going to help with Baltimore and how their scheme is run as far as the run-centric offense. You got a guy um, there as well. And then David Ajobo, I think he's a guy. And the beauty thing with the Ravens is they can take chances like this because they can give him time to get himself together and there's no pressure for him. So he can go in there and he can fit he can fit that scheme and he'll you know he's already been familiar with the hardball system so all you know although being in um, michigan and also being here in baltimore with their having that same defensive coordinator that he was with at michigan now is with um with baltimore so and the baltimore just you know they just keep churning it those six fourth round picks they had and they just another team where they just kiss it right every year and you see why they're successful even in a year where lamar jackson was injured for the for the bulk of the season they still was a, 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 a you know a, a 500 team so you just look at it from there where they just get it right the baltimore ravens usually it's almost like a guarantee they always be winners of the draft oh yeah yeah i mean those i mean they were they, were, they really jumped on those those fourth round picks i mean they yeah. they made the most of it i mean now i mean i i kind of thought after they traded hollywood brown that you know they would get you know, maybe snatch one of these big name receivers, but they, you know, they they really didn't. I mean, they didn't get two tight ends though. You know, Charlie um Cooler and uh, from Iowa Iowa State, and uh, you know, from Coastal Carolina, get um Isaac um Likely, which of course, you know, they they're obviously going to start you know, running two, you know, two tight end sets. You know what? You know because you know they obviously what I think the Ravens was focused on is reestablishing the run game again. And playing good defense and having a good defense. That, yeah. that, that's why I think I look at this draft. And then you add the fact that you know they add they added the Ola, they, they added um Daniel um Falili from an offensive tackle. They added a added a center and you know and Tyler um Lundenberg. So I it's obvious what, what I think the goal is they're gonna try to reestablish the run game and have a almost similar to like the Raven teams of the old. You know, with the with the Ray Lewis types, but I, I actually like that um that the Kyle ha- Hamilton um draft. I mean, pick. I mean, at safety. Yeah. So they're obviously looking to, like I said, re- revamp that defense to get, you know, back to what it was back back in its a day. 
Now, I agree with you with the with the um, Jets. That was actually one 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 of the um, I believe one of the big winners here. I mean, what the Jets did. I mean, kudos to you know, like you say, um, Joe Douglas, and of course, um, my guy Robert Sala, former um, defensive yeah. coordinator for for the for the 49ers. I mean, he obviously was paying attention to how Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch knew how to build a team. I mean, they got some of the top players in this draft. So this is, I think this is actually probably the most important draft of this regime because now you have a second year quarterback and with, with, the, with these um, players who, who, can, who can be instant impact, that means now Zach Wilson has, the, has a chance to build into a good quarterback. And also, what I think these draft picks show is they're looking. To, they're looking to probably it may not be this year, but maybe the next year or two, challenge the Buffalo Bills. And yeah, and as for the Eagles, I mean, I mean they got a steal by um were able to get in, um AJ Brown, you know, because um Tennessee did not want to pay him, and then. You know they 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 stacked up at um on defense. You know, like you say with um, Nuck Kobe um Dean and um and and Kyron Johnson. You know, two linebackers, and then of course they got Jordan Davis. You know, defensive tackle. So what what they're what they what the Eagles are basically saying is we're going to challenge the Cowboys this year. You know, and they know the bet they know they got to stop Dak Prescott and that and that offense. They got to be able to get them off the field and. They did. I, I like. I like the fact that you know they build up their um linebacking core, and and their defense just to try to um, you know, stop the Cowboys. Now here's another team that I think is is a big winner. I mean, we talked about the Jets. Let's talk about what about the Giants here? I mean, look what the Giants did. I mean, um, Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, fifth overall pick. I mean. They added, I mean, they added some, you know, some offensive line depth with um, Evan Neal at number se- at number seven, you know, and and number in the second round they added um, Joshua is as, as a as a I think I said that right. If I didn't, my apologies. I mean, they added um, you know, a, a guard and, and late, late in the round, Marcus M- McKitten. I mean, yeah. so the Giants. I mean, it's obviously they're another team that's coming for the Cowboys. And of course now, they, of course they got a new um, head coach. So, now, but of course, even with all these um, picks, um, let me go ahead and add. They, they also added a wide receiver, you know, Wendell um, Robinson, and they added the tight end um, Daniel Bollinger from San Diego State. Now, of course, all this means nothing if um, Daniel Jones does not make that year three le- um, leap, because if Daniel Jones flames out then they're going to be looking in the market for another quarterback so i would go i would go with the giants as i think did did, did a very uh, did a very very good job in in their picks got any other um guys who you think were winners um actually um the seahawks i think and it's funny <laughs> and i remember i was on a show on um, Thursday night, and we kept on saying why well, Seattle's gonna find a way to like screw everything up. Um, they were very smart, very methodical getting uh, Charles Cross. I think he was especially getting him at nine, which a lot of people didn't think he was gonna be there. I think that was um, a good um, acquisition. And then uh, Boy Mayfield, the linebacker, um, 
that was definitely a solid pick. Um, they're another team I think that you look at as potentially looking at like that, that run game as well. Uh, bringing in Kenny Walker, I think that's another great solid hire. I mean, not hire, but high on um, solid that, draft. That is and a solid then, pick. Yeah, that was a solid pick. And then last but definitely not least, um, grabbing Kobe Bryant. I think that was. I think people don't understand that he was opposite side of Sauce Gardner and he won a Jim Thorpe award and people you while we talk about oh well Sauce he didn't no one scored on him during the time but guess who guess who was getting keyed in all the time Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. and with him then you just think about I, I thought about the first thing instantly I was like oh man him and Jamal Adams in that same secondary I was like they're gonna be a problem and I think Seattle's kind of one of those teams where they're rebuilding on the fly I still I, I was I was glad they didn't take a quarterback because I think they they think they still need to look at what Drew Lock can do. So I think you get him a guy like a Charles Cross who can who can be like that linchpin guy on the offensive line, and we know that offensive line is terrible. So hey, let's give let's give Drew Lock at least an opportunity. Him, other guys like Noah Fain, let's give these guys like opportunities to um, see what they can do and at least provide them with a line, especially at that mark because we knew for certain like. Seattle's going to find a way to screw up that ninth pick. But luckily, Charles Cross fell into their laps, and they really they had no choice but to get a guy like that. Yeah, I'm sure Russell Wilson's probably asking, where was all this when I was on the quarterback? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, they drafted two offensive linemen, you know, Charles right. Cross. And then um, out of um, Washington State, you know, um, a- Abraham um, Lucas. I mean, yeah. Russell Wilson's got to be asking, <laughs> where was all this when I was there? And remember last year, I think they didn't draft, they didn't draft a a line uh, offensive lineman to maybe like round six or seven last year. And I remember being on here when we were saying that was probably one of the worst, uh, I mean, as far as biggest losers last year because they didn't do anything to show up that offensive line. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting. But as far as, you know, Drew Locke and them concerned, and, and of course, Pete Carroll actually said, that right now Geno Smith has the lead, so I was like, okay, good. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I, I, another winner, I, I I would add another winner. I think the Steelers was a winner. I mean, they got Kenny Pickett. I mean, they got their quarterback of the future. I mean, this guy's gonna end up starting week one. Let's 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 keep it a buck. If you think Mitchell Trubisky is gonna be starting week one, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but but yeah, um, Kenny. I mean, they got not only they got Kenny Pickett. They they got they added two wide receivers to go along with um Char, I mean Charles Chase Claiborne. I mean it's obvious Pittsburgh is, is is building for the future. I mean they they're they're not just looking just this year. They're looking like three and four years ahead. I mean I mean George Pickens out of Georgia. I mean you got um, um Calvin um, Austin the third out of Memphis. You added a tight end. You know Connor Hayward from Michigan. And of course, you know, Mike Tomlin, a defensive-minded guy, he added, you know, a linebacker, you know, Mark Robinson out of Mississippi, and um, a D-line, um, DeMelvin Leo from um, um, Texas A&M. So, and of course, they already have a good defense already. So you're just adding p- um, more pieces, rotational pieces, to an already good defense. So you, we all thought that this was probably going to be um, Lamar Jackson and, um, and um, Joe Burrow's division. Uh, not so fast. Yep. I mean, or or even maybe even um, Deshaun Watson's division, but 
not so fast. I mean, the, the thing about this division, the AFC North, is they're gonna they, they got they're gonna have some of the youngest quarterbacks in this division because most of these guys are like 25 and under. Of course, Kenny Pickett's gonna be 24 when he starts, but I mean, this division is gonna be probably one of the best in the NFL. Maybe not if it's not this year, at least two or three years down the line. Yeah, and that was like you said, a great pickup for Pittsburgh. Definitely, when you think about yeah, cause you, and I think even regardless, there's going to be pressure. Um, and I know a lot of people were questioning that Kenny Pickett pick initially, but like I even said, I was on the show, um, you know, did a live draft show on one of the shows I was on. I was like, well. Pittsburgh probably knows him a little bit more intimate than we would know as well. He practices in their in their same facility, so they know they've done their intel, they've done their homework. So I think that's why I definitely I'm not like oh I'm not in that camp of well why they picked him so high. I think they know him more than most of us do. So I think they see they see something in him, and like you said, and you know at this point. We, you just need to kick the tires and see if he's if he's going to be if he can maintain with those guys in the AFC North because like we said we you know you look at Cincinnati we're thinking that they could be a, a team going forward potentially then you also see the acquisition of um of Deshaun Watson you see that and then also um you know and then also with, with the Ravens with Lamar Jackson where he's in a mode where I think they're going to elevate because I know he's going to want his money and he's pretty much saying hey I want to win before I get some money and he's going to he's going to um, prove that as well so um, I think Pittsburgh knew what they were doing in this case and it, it may not be the what we call the sexy quarterback but I think he can kind of get that job done and potentially because Pittsburgh like we said Pittsburgh really isn't we don't expect them to be like this offensive juggernaut, but we know they're going to run the football, especially with guys like Najee Harris. They got good wide receivers. We know how they develop. It's almost like they, they are the, the farm system when it comes to wide receivers. So you look at those guys where they'll be able to develop and grow and become like the next thing. We look at guys like, you know, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, like those guys who – Initially, they were fairly unknowns. Pittsburgh, that system allowed them to become these perennial thousand-yard receivers that we've grown accustomed to in this league. So, um, Pittsburgh is another team. They just get it right, and they they just know the personnel. They know what they're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, um, their general manager is set to retire after this draft. So, I mean, he 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 knocked it out of the park. So, I mean, he went out on a high note. Yeah, get my boy Lou Riddick. Put put my put my boy Lou Riddick on 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 the line there in Pittsburgh. Well, I, I mean, Lou, Lou Riddick deserves to get a, uh, a GM position. Yes. I, the fact that he's still yes. that, that not a GM is is it's still shameful. It is a crime. Another team I thought went out, and this you got to give it up to the Packers. I mean, you got to give it up to the Packers. The Packers, I mean, they waited. They did what they usually do. They wait till the second round before they drafted an offensive guy, uh, lineman, I mean, an offensive um, player, which they did with um, Christian Watson at number 34 from um, North Dakota State. Uh, in a way, I was hoping he would drop a little bit. He can be, that way he can be right. Trey Lance's teammate on the on the 49ers, but be that as it may. And not only that, they didn't just address um, the wide receiver position, well, not once, but twice. I mean, they got, you know, Romeo D um, Dubs out of um, Nevada, 
I mean, they got um out of um Nebraska um Samori um Tory, and of course they addressed it. Not only they addressed the defense. I mean, which the defense has been for the Packers basically hot and cold. But I mean, they they did a lot to address it. I mean, they got um Devontae Watt from um Georgia. I mean, they got you know two linebackers. Why not? I mean, kick. Kingsley Larry um he he, he Bear from um South Carolina. They got um Tariq Carpenter from Georgia Tech. I mean, they got defensive tackle um Jonathan Ford. So they addressed it. They they're 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 loading up on defense. So in other words, so if Aaron Rodgers um I mean can can can, can do what they what he normally does, I mean, these this defense is gonna be solid. Now, but of course now there's no excuses. Now I'm sure he probably had a hand in some of these draft picks, especially on the wide receiver um, um, aspect of it. So now Aaron Rodgers, you got what you wanted. You complain, you got your money. I mean, you lost your, your your top wide receiver, but you got your money. You got the say. So now it's either Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, and yeah, at this point, and then like you said, like the wide receiver core. It's kind of it's it's one of the things where it's kind of interesting to get like just like a guy like a Quay Walker at that slot. Um, that was kind of questionable, but I mean there was some wide receivers there at that point that they could have could have taken at that at this point. Or hell, you could have you know uh, traded to get some more value at that at that point. So I mean, like you said, and I think I think Aaron Rodgers is at a point where now it's almost like hey, let me just get my money. I know this is probably going to be maybe potentially my final last deal. So why not just get my deal and whatever happens, whatever happens at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, either got, either got, either have to, he needs to go ahead and get it done because like I say, he, I mean, he's, I think he's going to play till he, he can play till at least 40 or, or even longer. I mean, almost like Brady light, but the question is, like you say, this is his last big deal. I mean, once this runs out and, or things, you know, start going sour. I mean, that's it for. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Yeah. You know what? I think the ba- I, I think you can pick the Bears as a winner too. I mean, look. I mean, they they did something that I said they needed to do, and that's address the offensive line for Justin Fields, and they did that. You know, picking on um, Braxton Jones out of um, Southern Utah. They picked um, Zach Thomas out of um, San Diego State. You know, out of Southern, you know, Jatai Carter. So, I mean, the the head coach, uh, uh, the new head coach of the Bears, basically said we're going to build a um, team around Justin Fields, and he did that. Now, what he also did, of course, he got rid of Khalil Mack, which, you know, I guess they had to do that for, you know, financial um, purposes. But I mean, he ended up getting he ended up getting a, a, a secondary a safety, you know, Jaquan Brisker from. Um, Penn State, good good player. Um, got an edge rusher, D- Dominique Rob Robinson, and you know, and of course um, Elijah Hicks from um, from Cal. So obviously he's going to try to revamp this defense, you know, while at the same time trying to revamp an offense that's going to work to the skills of Justin Fields. So I mean, I, I I thought they would at least you know maybe reach and got one of these other big time wide receivers maybe even try to get one of um justin fields old teammates from ohio state but i mean they only drafted one wide receiver so i 
but overall, I think, you know, they hit it out of the park. I mean, I still don't believe they're, they're, they're ready to challenge the Packers this year. I mean, that's probably gonna, that's probably still another year or two project. But I'm going to say the Bears was a big winner in this one as well. And that's one thing too, where they are another team where you think to yourself, they, you know, they made that investment in Justin Fields. Obviously, um, losing their uh, first round pick of uh, of this year to get to move up to get him. So yeah, you know, they had to solidify the offensive line because pretty much we look at Justin Fields as their pick in, in essence, really, um, for for this year, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, so, but. I think, I think, you know, this is, like I said, this is a building blocks. I mean, this is still, I mean, the Bears are not like rebuilding, rebuilding, but what they're doing is, like you said, like the Seahawks, they're kind of rebuilding on the fly because they all know Aaron Rodgers is not going nowhere for probably another three to four years. So, and of course, you know, you still got the Vikings, you know, that, that are still, you know, pretty, pretty decent team and Detroit as like, you know, like the Bears are rebuilding on the fly. So, so they had to, um, they had, they had to take it, um, here. So any other win, any other teams you think were b- big winners in this, um, in this draft? One other one that I really liked, uh, was the Kansas City Chiefs. I think, um, what they did, um, was really good, especially, uh, Trent McDuffie, um, helping their secondary depth, um, George Kafalis getting that edge that they, um, so richly need at this point. Um, then also getting a guy like a Sky Moore, I think he's a one like a sleeper. I think Sky Moore is a guy that I think um, definitely he's in that he has a I'm a premise it. He has a Tyreek um, Tyreek Hill build, being at five ten, he's speeds. I'm not saying that he's gonna be like a Tyreek Hill, but he fits that mode, which I think might be best, especially for this offense. So not saying that he's gonna be Tyreek Hill, but he is a he fits that physical mode of a Tyreek Hill. So I just wanted to make sure that my words don't get missed on that one. And then also um, a guy, and it's funny, um, a guy I think people want to really want to see as far as from the running back position, a guy is Isaiah Pontero, uh, the running back from Rutgers. That's another kind of sleepy sleeper deal. I think he's solid. Um, he's a guy, actually it's funny, I um, talked to him at the combine and out of all of it, I just love his confidence. I love everything about just his whole personality. I can see him being a guy, not saying he'd be a captain of a team of, of this Kansas City Chief team, but he'd be a guy I think could be um, one of those guys that could be somewhat of a vocal guy in that locker room. Not to say he's going to be, but I could definitely see him being one of the alpha males in that Kansas City locker room once he gets some production underneath him, um, especially, and that's going to be a great opportunity for him. With you know um, Edwards Hilaire as well, he'll join that backfield as well. So I definitely think he's going to be a guy. Honestly, um, we talk about from a Saturday afternoon pick selection um, variety, where I think he'll be a guy that people you know you'll hear about him, and I think he'll be solid, and he'll be a guy I think that's going to definitely um, that that you can see some production out of him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think it's possible he could take over as the number one running back? In this Chiefs offense? No, not this year. Uh, bar injury. I think if, if there is a, a significant injury, then potentially. But I think he has he has a legitimate shot to get some, some good um, some good carries and be productive and actually have somewhat of an impact on this on this team. Yeah, but of course, my question with with that would be, I mean, 
how much because we all know Andy Reid is is a past happy um, coach. So yeah. I mean, so how much um, I mean carries you think? I mean he, he's gonna get it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna be something. He got I me mean, him and and and, and um, Alaire um are gonna be are gonna be um, you know sharing carries because you know they don't run the yeah. ball that much. They they're looking for that explosive plays. But yeah, that that Skylar Moore um. Um, pick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's one. I think you better watch out for. I mean, like you say, he's not going to be Tyree Kill. I mean, nobody is. Yeah. But I think I think it, it it it's a good fit because they're cha- You know, everybody knows after the Super Bowl, where basically um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gave you the blueprint on how to stop the Chiefs. The Chiefs, exactly. have, you know, yeah. actually struggled. You know, the first part of the season last year before finally figuring it out. Exactly. So I think he kind of fits now what the adjustment that they had to make now in order to you know turn their season around yeah so yeah this uh yeah i i, I think that's one pick you definitely got to watch out for but um now let's go now to the losers so so who would you say is one of the biggest losers of the 2020 nfl draft and I only, I only, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I only have one loser. Because I think in, this is a draft where a lot of guys, it's it's weird. Like, you know, if we look at it from a grade scale where a lot of teams got A's, B's, and C's, you really see a lot of D's and F's. The only one that I think that really stands out to me is the Patriots. And for some bizarre reason, they sit here all the time when it comes to drafting. Like this whole thing about Cole Strange drafting him in the first round. Considering the fact that you, you, you know, you traded down to get this guy, and it's almost to a point where even like the Rams, even though I don't know if it's a joking or what have you, but that could have been the guy that could have got Friday, especially when you traded to get the, you know, traded down to twenty nine. You could have literally traded and got him Friday night, and could have acquired some more assets, particularly. So that and then the whole the this because he barely. Bailey Zapp was, I want to say he was the third, no, he was the fourth quarterback off this board. And to me, what was really the point of drafting a quarterback, especially when you have a a young quarterback? Generally, in this kind of case, when you have a young quarterback, and even though Mac Jones, people, they don't say this like I'm crazy, but Mac Jones is a Pro Bowl quarterback in, in this bizarre NFL world that we live in. He was a Pro Bowler. But to me, if I'm if I'm looking for a backup for Mac Jones, I'm looking at more from a from a, a veteran standpoint more so than getting a rookie. Because I essentially you already kind of had a guy that's similar in Mac Jones. I want a guy that has experience, especially when I have a young quarterback. It's almost like, you know, I didn't understand that pick. That pick was kind of like yeah, that one, that one was definitely a head scratcher. But they also drafted two running backs. I mean, look, I'm all for yeah. running back depth. Yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, think about it. So you're basically saying that Damien Harris and Ryan Ramondre Dom Stevenson. You know, is that not enough? I mean, like yeah. I say, I can see you adding, you know, one one running back, but they added two. Kevin I Harris mean, yeah, strong. Yep. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> okay. So, are you trying to say that unless he's thinking that you know I want to get these guys ready? So let's just say Damien Harris, you know, has a big year. He's going to want a big contract, and we all know the Patriots aren't good for paying um, players big contracts. As soon as yeah. you know 
you, you're about to get it's time for you a big payday big payday it's time to send you packing big time yep. so it's like so yeah <laughs> I, yeah i think the i think the patriots probably would be i mean probably one of the bigger losers i'll tell you another like i said i don't think it's, it's kind of hard to pick a real loser but yeah. i think if you have to pick another loser i think the saints I think kind of lose out as on this one as well. I don't. I, I think the, if you look at the Saints um, draft, I mean, it, it don't seem. I mean, you think about it. You're in a division with with Tom Brady. You forgot Tom. I mean, outside of you know Charles Oliver, they really didn't do much to improve this team. Yeah. I mean, they were already good on. They were already good defensively, but I, I mean, offensively outside of Kamara. Um, and then Michael Thomas, and of course you added um, Oliver. I mean, what else do you see on this team that they that they did anything? I, I get it; they probably didn't have much draft capital, so they did what they could. But overall, yeah. they didn't do anything that makes me believe that they have what it takes to stop Tom Brady this year. Especially, I was really shocked, even with them, you know, trading with us, and we got the third and fourth, which that definitely, um, you know, helped helped us down the line. Um, but you just look at that. I, I do. I did like the um, the Trevor Penning, uh, especially getting him at 19, because I know a lot of mocks is looking at him as potentially like a top 10, top 15 pick, and you able to get those two selections in the first round, Labe, and also with that. So that definitely helps that wide receiver core because we don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. You know, we don't know if that's going to bleed over into this season, the drama and everything that kind of transpired last year. Will it bleed over this year? Um, but other than that, like you said, a lot of it, I mean, they trade, obviously, um, you know, they sent their first pick to Tennessee through Philadelphia, so that Philadelphia pick, and also just, I mean, they traded almost half their draft, so you look at, especially a team like New Orleans, where um, it was kind of question mark, but I understand, like, the, you know, that a lot of it picked to get him at this point trade up, um, especially considering the fact, I think that just let us know that they're, um, they're all in on Jameis. So that this clearly lets you know that hey, this is Jameis' team, um, and what they're gonna do with that. Obviously, you know, with Dennis Allen taking over, um, it's definitely gonna be kind of an interesting um, transition because you know normally we always look at those kind of in-house hires. There's somewhat of an expectation. Hey, if we do an in-hire in-house kind of guy, we want literally the same type of situation. We want pretty much we want this, the ship to be um, be smooth sailing, you know, so you know, as far as the, the learning curve more so of the the transition should, shouldn't be as, as hard as uh, replacing them with a brand new coach with a brand new system and brand new everything, so. Well, basically um, I mean, this team is not going to be the Sean Paytons of all. I mean you're, you're basically this is going to be a run first defensive team. I mean, that's what you get from defensive coaches like a Dennis Allen. I mean, he already has a good, he already built a good defense, which, but, you know, we all know that Jameis is not going to be throwing the ball 30, 30 and 35 times a game. I mean, mostly there's going to be a lot of focus on, you know, the running game. So, but still, I mean, but but of course, I mean, then again, I mean, since Brady's joined the division, David, he hasn't beaten the Saints. So, I mean, I guess, I guess we can say, that formula <laughs> might still be there, but I, I, say, I, I don't see anything that you know that made me believe that they improve enough. And this might be the year Brady finally gets them, not once but twice. Exactly. 
this will yeah. be the year. <laughs> yeah. Any other um, um, um teams you think would be considered? <laughs> no. I think everybody at least had some semblance of a good player, although it be like maybe all the picks weren't home runs, but it's a lot of a lot of guys got good picks in later rounds as well too. So I just I think New England was the one that was like clearly the biggest loser in my personal opinion. Okay, okay, well, yeah, yeah, I've been like I said, it wasn't a, a lot of you know losing teams. I think so. We're gonna we're I'm, I'm gonna. Go. We're gonna we're gonna do this from a team, you know. Since you're a Washington Commodores team, let, 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 I'm gonna ask, how would you rate the you know, Washington um, Commodores draft? Um, I think we, I think solidly. I think we, I say about a C plus. Um, they were able to take care of their needs. Uh, so definitely, I know we were looking for a wide receiver. We got a guy, Jahan Dodson. I think he was a guy somewhat of a reach. But I think the beauty of that is the ability to actually um, get up, you know, more picks. I know we came in on Thursday, it was, we had six picks. So now it ended up being eight. Um, I think he'll be a guy, especially it'll be good in his offense. Um, he put up some great numbers, especially we, especially from, from a Penn State perspective, as far as from a wide receiver, they're another team where we really don't expect them to be like a pass happy offense. And he didn't have the best quarterback, but he put up some great yards and great, like, record-breaking season almost pretty much for, you know, for a uh, Penn State wide receiver. So that's another thing that you look at. Um, and then also, you know, getting a guy like Fadrian um, Mathis, the defense tackle out of uh, Alabama. He's, I think, for certain is going to be the Cameron, the um, Deron Payne, I keep on saying Cameron, Deron Payne's um uh, replacement because obviously he'll be probably pretty much gonna walk next year, uh, barring anything you know crazy. Brian uh, uh, Robinson Jr., another another guy for Alabama, uh, running back. I think he'll definitely help carry that load, especially with Antonio Gibson. Um, he's another guy that I think he's a uh, people are gonna look at him and and we talk you know Alabama running backs you know. <laughs> They've been solid. I mean, you get a few here and there, but especially in this modern era where he's been around, he obviously, you know, was behind Najee and other guys. So, you, you know, you can see that building for him coming, coming to for fruition, hopefully. Uh, Perry Butler, I think he's uh, definitely is a, uh, he was a steal on the Saturday, um, our Saturday steal potentially. Um, depth of the safety. Um, he's great in special teams. He's a fast guy, um, good hitter. He's kind of maybe almost kind of a thing that kind of situation where hey, he's a guy that we kind of could potentially be a guy that we envision Landon Collins to be at this at this point. Um, so you know he's very versatile, versatile guy. So we can see what he'll he'll bring to that table. And then obviously I think the best pick that we got was also getting a guy like Sam Howell, who a lot of people looked at him as a potential second round pick and to get him in the first pick in the fifth round is great. Um, he's obviously, like Ron Vera said, he's going to be a developmental quarterback. Um, he'll be a guy down the line. Uh, so there's no pressure with him. He can hold the clipboard for Carson and, and Taylor and hopefully, um, you know, he'll do his thing. Um, you know, 2020, um, he had a great, almost a, uh, I almost considered it has been almost S type of season in 2020, but obviously it kind of, um, you know, did go to higher one to be in 2021, albeit, you know, losing, you know, multiple guys to the NFL. Um, and then also that revamp offensive line at UNC. 
Um, Cole Turner, he's another guy, 6'6", um, tight end that we got. Uh, I think he's going to be solid, especially adds that depth of the tight end that we have already. John Bates, uh, also Logan Thomas, you know, you know Sammy Reyes, guys like that, he'll add to that rotation. Um, Chris Paul, I think he's a solid guy at 6'4", um, 2'3", um, hopefully he's he's a he's a project he's a project at best. I think he'll be a guy that I think uh, we got a, um, our offensive line coach uh, John Masco. I think he'll he's been he's had a knack for developing our offensive line talent. I think the only really biggest issue is his, is Chris Paul's foot feet work, which you know it's <laughs> we're not definitely talking about basketball. We say Chris Paul at feet work is <laughs> we're talking about the right. football version of Chris Paul. So just let, <laughs> let that be known. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then also uh, Christian Holmes, another um, cornerback. Um, he's an aggressive corner. Um, so we'll see what he does. Um, he went four five forty, um, third down inch vert. So I think he'll be a guy. I, I think with Washington, I think the only thing is these names aren't quote-unquote sexy these guys they feel the need and that's why in a draft like this where you have you know you have those opportunities where there was depth in all these positions that they had a need so it was one of those hey they just fit the mold you may not hear you know some of these guys you've heard on Saturday some you haven't but I think these be guys who will make impact on this team um and on Sundays okay well let's keep it a buck I mean you said that um, Sam um, Howell is a developmental project. How long do you actually think he's going to be sitting holding that clipboard? Oh, I mean, do you honestly believe he's going to be board all season? It depends. I'll I, I put it this way because I'm, I'm thinking what's going to, what potentially going to happen. And I'm hoping because we, we know Carson Wentz in his injury history. I know last year he didn't, uh, he didn't miss any time last year, which is probably the first time in, 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 in a long time. So you're hoping if you have a healthy Carson Wentz, he plays throughout the season. Um, I would say maybe he. I think this this would be the year for him. I think I think he will be. A, I think Sam Howell. You'll probably see him in 2023 potentially. Um, they'll be calling for his name, just almost like like what situation with Taylor. Taylor was another guy where when you know when the offense was struggling. Um, so. I think he he might probably come coming into training camp. He'll probably be the third third QB, but Sam Howell, I think he will elevate maybe to be the backup quarterback probably by the season end, or could potentially be starting. If this depends on on the trajectory of this team, like if they're at a, at a point where it's it's a bad season, they might want to might have him play. I can see if the the worst case scenario is he'll probably play like in December. You want to just I call it like the kick the tire type of thing. Well, hey, you want to see what Sam can do if we see enough and maybe a, a few weeks time because they might be in a running of getting a quarterback next year. You, we talked about like you know we got like Bryce Youngs coming out, C.J. Stroud as a, a bevy of quarterbacks in 2023. So. I think if, if 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 Washington is bad, then I think they'll probably pull the trigger on Sam Howell. I would say probably late November, December. If the season if season is like um, it's going bad, and it's you know I think that's when they'll do it potentially. Okay, yeah, I I I I, I can see you on that. Well, I'll go to my 49ers. I I'd probably give them a they they're giving a B minus grade. I'd probably say that's 
that's probably what I would give it to. I mean, I mean, now I meant the the Dre Jackson um pick. I mean, I I, I mean I didn't really know who he, who he was, but then you know went back and look at his tape. I mean, like I say, a lot of what happened with him was. He, I mean, he was he was bounced around a lot at USC. You know, he either played he didn't play just downhill. He was played he played downhill. He played coverage. So you didn't ever know, know what he was playing. But I think in 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 the 49ers um system where we're full with defensive linemen, he's just gonna be playing downhill. So I mean, he's got he's got there's, there's a lot of upside. I mean, and not only that, he's 21 years old. So I mean, you got some youth there. So I think once he starts to develop, him and Nick Bosa. Are gonna be they're gonna be a force i mean i mean he, he'll definitely be that good compliment if he turn if his potential gets unlocked yeah. now as far as the running back goes you know tyron davis pierce that one's a head scratcher to me i mean we're full with running backs on the on the 49ers i mean and i guess that's why i see kyle shanahan reaching you know he, he just likes he just loves running backs i mean but usually he doesn't have to he didn't have to go into the third round i feel at the running back. I mean, he usually finds these guys like in the sixth round or, you know, un- undrafted. So, I mean, I mean, the guy has potential now. He's I mean, he's a power running back, you know, north and south type of guy. But, you know, I didn't think it was a, a serious need. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, sixth round pick, came out of nowhere. I mean, he, I mean, Trey Sermon is still a work in progress. I mean, Jeff Wilson, still good, still good back. So, I... I mean, we'll see what happens here, but you know, I think he's going to be—he he may be buying for that number three, possibly even that number two spot if Trey Sermon doesn't, you know, grab it by the horns. Yeah. But I love the pick, um, Danny Gray. I mean, me and 49er fans have been screaming for years. We need to get a burner, a guy with speed. I mean. But of course, you don't make this pick if Jimmy Garoppolo is still your quarterback. So this they're basically showing that everybody knows Trey Lance, you know, big arm and everything, can get it down the field. This is a guy you want. I mean, hopefully they'll play him in the slot, maybe, or you know, stuff like that. You open up Debo Samuel, and um, yes, Debo Samuel's still a niner. And we'll <laughs> be a niner. So I'm saying that right here. So I mean, this guy. I think it's going to open up. It's going. It's going. It's going to open up holes for Nebo, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. So this is something they've actually needed. Now, of course, the now the off now of course they dress the offensive line with Spencer um, Burford. Burford. I mean, this guy was is multiple. I mean, you got a guy that can play who's played every position in college. I mean, right tackle, left tackle, guard. I mean. I mean, you got you got somebody here that's versatile. So in case an injury happens to one of the offensive linemen, you got a guy that can step in and you know and plug him into any any um, offensive line position and be successful. So I kind of so I like that pick. Now the Sam um, Womack pick. This is basically a K1 um, Williams replacement. I mean, this, we, we basically got a younger guy at the slot position. And this guy's got some speed. I mean, yeah, he's five nine, and he's small. But most most slot guys, you know, nickel guys aren't no no more than five nine, five ten. And of course, we got we got of course we got another offensive lineman, Nick Um, Zaginsk, 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 Zaginsk. I mean, 
like with this guy, you know, pretty pretty versatile. Basically, you know, adding more depth to the offensive line, possibly, you know, in case McGlinchey doesn't recover. I mean, he says he's gonna be ready for camp, but you know, he got a guy there that can come in, you know, be a backup. So they're basically adding, in my opinion, adding bodies and possibly um, guys that you know that could take over for the future, especially if you know some of these other guys currently there are injured or have a big day and then they want to get paid and you know the money's not there and another head scratcher i mean we got um kayla davis for a defensive tackle i mean personally i don't believe the niners needed another defensive tackle i mean we're pretty much deep in that position so i I would have to say that this one's another head scratcher i mean this was probably not a necessary pick because i think we're pretty we're pretty loaded there you know with armstead you know Javon Kinlaw should be coming back this year. I mean, isn't it? I mean, but still, I mean, I guess you, you can never have more depth. Now, I do like the pick, you know, even though this guy looked like he should have gotten more like a third or fourth round grade, and that's Tyreek Castro Fields. I mean, this guy can cover the field. I mean, so, you know, we add more depth to the cornerback position, which, you know, I've been saying that, you know, my Niners, you know, we're, we're in a division where we're facing DeAndre Hopkins twice, DK Metcalf, you know, twice. Of course, now we're going to, I'm not going to say it. I mean, yeah, Hollywood Brown is good. I mean, who knows? He may improve with, you know, getting back with his boy, Kyler Murray. Then, of course, we're also facing Cooper Cup, you know, twice a year. So we got to get, you know, what they're showing is they know we have to get younger at this position at cornerback because there are two positions, I believe, in the NFL you cannot afford to be old at cornerback and running back then of course finally we got mr irrelevant <laughs> uh brooke um fruity from uh from, from iowa uh, iowa state basically this guy's most likely to be a practice i mean a practice guy i mean a, a practice squad guy i mean unless you know trey lance or Dave, uh, or nate Selfell gets hurt he's probably most likely gonna be you know somebody on the practice field so I would say my Niners, I mean, they address mo- most of the needs. The only, the only reason I can't give them an A because they didn't address the second, they didn't address the safety. I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, they got a couple of young guys, but they, they're still a work in progress. They didn't address, you know, a, a safety. And of course they didn't address a center, which I learned they did that and a safety in, uh, with the undrafted free agent. So that's good that that's good but i was hoping during the draft process they would be a center and a, a safety those were two big needs so i say b minus at at best but but of course all this is gonna none of this is gonna work unless trey lance becomes the guy i believe he can be so so let, let we got one last topic so Give me what do you believe are your, is your biggest takeaway from the 2020 NFL draft? Um, I think the the quarterback um, position. I think um, this is actually um, is it was good that the quarterbacks got slotted late. Um, there's really no expectation for these quarterbacks. I think um, we can go back to the old traditional ways of maybe just hey letting the guy sit, observe, and you know 
get the clipboard and hey, potentially we might have a few starting quarterbacks in this league um, going forward. But um, it just lets you the, the quarterback depth was just very <laughs> it was very ever ever present where. Um, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of quarterbacks was drafted this year compared to like last year where we had guys that start. Um, especially, you know, the 2021 class definitely didn't help. Especially, a lot of them didn't translate to a lot of success on the field. You look at a guy like a Davis Mills, who was the one that really had some. You know, who was probably probably out of all of them, far from a productive standpoint, probably was one of the most productive. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how that happens. And then I think just the, the um, just, you know, Georgia, uh, I think people really realize, hey, man, Georgia defense was stout. And eight of these guys got drafted and a total of 16 guys got drafted. Um, this is just another way of letting let people know, hey, Georgia's on notice. You know, we, you know, think about the Alabamas, they always turn on the pros. You know, Georgia's next. And then also um, giving hope to HDBUs. Uh, we have four guys that were drafted. Um, in this year's draft so it's another one you look at guys like Deion Sanders um you know Eddie George other coaches Hugh, Hugh Jackson these guys can look at these um scenarios and be like hey it's four here we can do we can double this in the coming years or what have you so this definitely is a great opportunity for for those schools in the HBUs to be like look talent is talent's all over the place regardless of where you go they gonna find you. So this is a great way, especially considering the fact that you look at now the transfer portal and um, in, in, in college football where, hey, you know, it's gonna definitely change the trajectory of, especially um, high school guys where it's gonna be kind of hard for them to be able to get um, some opportunities. But you know, HBU could be a potential spot for some of these guys. And um, just another great opportunity, another great outlet for potentially um, prospects going forward. So, you know, you look at, you know, we always set examples of guys from ACBUs going to the, the Hall of Fame or whatever, but this is another clear example, hey, that you can see right then and here, present that, hey, we did get some guys drafted and you can be one of those four. Hell, we can get 10 next year. We can get 20 in five, 10 years or what have you. So those are kind of the takeaways from the draft for me. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I would, I, I'm going to piggyback off of um, the first thing you said. Um, with the um, with the quarterback, I mean, look, this quarterback class, if it turns out to be, I mean, if these guys turn out to be big time, I mean, you would have to have this would probably be the best quarterback class in 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 in, in, in NFL history, and I say that is because these guys, I mean, like I say, they all you already got one quarterback drafted in the first round. Which is, you know, unprecedented because usually when you have a quarterback class, at least three or four are gone within in, in the first round. Right. And then the fact that, you know, you it, it didn't took to like the third round until three quarterbacks were drafted. So what 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 and what so what that means is the pressure this 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 quarterback class, the 2022 quarterback class, is under little to no pressure to get it done. I mean, not even Kenny Pickett, even though he was the first quarterback taken off the board, he's not really under any pressure to have a good year, even though I still believe he's going to be week one starter. So, I mean, I I, I think this is kind of, like you say, falling back to kind of like the old school back to, you know, you know, up until like the turn of the century, you know, quarterbacks are not 
I mean, that get drafted can, you know, sit down, buy their time, develop, and then when their time comes, they can take they can take over, and then they don't have to worry about you know being a bus. And also, I'm piggyback on you know you know the HBC years, um, you know the players getting their chance. I mean, the Rams actually pick the first um, South Carolina State um, player in the Kobe um, Dick Durant. He, I mean, he's the first South Carolina State um, player drafted in, in, in the NFL in quite some time. So, like you say, you know, they, the HBCUs are, you know, are, are, you know, starting to get love again because, you know, we ain't seen this kind of love. You know, a lot of players from HBCUs drafted in a long time. You know, you remember back, in, you know, Walter Payton, the late great Walter Payton was um, went to an HBCU, you know. I mean, the, the, the greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice, you know, he came out of HBCU, you know, Steve McNair, the late Steve McNair, he came out of HBCU. So, I mean, there are many examples of guys coming out of HBCUs and succeeding in the NFL. So I think, you know, kudos to the, the coaches there, you know, for produ- um, producing these guys. And this looks like a, a trend that's going to, I think it's going to, it's going nothing but up. So, and I think probably the one, the one take, I think another takeaway I would take from this is, I mean, this was a huge wide receiver class. Yes. I mean, this, I mean, there was a bunch of playmakers drafted in, in, in this year, in this year's draft. And knowing that, I mean, imagine what the market's going to be like if majority of these guys, you know, become big time stars. I mean, the market has been set now, you know, especially with, you know, Devont, you know, Devontae Adams getting, you know, a big payday, you know, um, what's his name? Um, AJ Brown just got a, a big, um, yeah. just got a big payday. And, you know, before it's all said and done, my guy, Debo Samuel, is going to set the market. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, imagine, you know, these guys are getting $125 million with, with um with fifty or more in guarantee, and you know, like I say, Debo who goes could get what 100, 150 and maybe with you know seventy five in guarantee. I'm just throwing numbers out there. I don't know what it might be. Now when the now let's just say these got all these guys that got drafted, you know, ball out like Devonte, like Debo, you know, like A. Day Brown. I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be looking for almost this this next crop, um, crop of receivers might be looking at close to quarterback money. I mean, they could be looking at, oh no, I mean, I'm not going to play. I, I get 175 or 200 million. Right. So, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how these two quarter, how, they, how this wide receiver class um, plays out and what the market's going to be after it's set, you know, after this season, even next season. Yep. Big time. Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. I mean, I just want to say, um, Coach um, Couch, uh, thank you again for coming on my podcast. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, and I just w- just want to go t- tell everybody, you know, where where they can find you. At. Absolutely, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Couch Coach Live. Check out the podcast anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, with there, and also check out the YouTube page: Couch Coach Live slash. I mean, youtube.com slash couch coach live. 
All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this will conclude um, part two of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. And thank you again, to, um, Coach Couch, for coming on and chopping it up about the NFL um, draft um, post um, game show. And you can follow me, of course, on Twitter uh, at GG Sports 13. Of course, you can follow my podcast at Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. Thank you again for listening and thank you for downloading. I hope everybody has a wonderful Sunday and I'll talk to you again again soon. All right, coach, take care and we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.